Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster. I'm one of your hosts, Dave, and I am joined this time by everyone's here. Um, so, yeah. Leonard, Leonard, you're here. How are you doing? Hello, I'm good. Uh, hey, everyone. I know you don't know me or 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 how old I am, but just know that I am a happy boy because the monster that was Sonic was banished from my birthday month and <laughs> Matt Mickelson singing to a fetus was replaced by it. So I count that as a win. Um, yeah, absolutely. We're also joined by uh, Cameron, and Cameron, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. It's 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 been a week, but hey hey, it's Saturday. It's a long weekend only in Western Australia, which means my package won't arrive on Monday. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm doing all right. Thank you. I I I I kind of love the concept of national holiday but only for half of the nation i mean to be fair technically we're closer to a third in sheer landmass but we're actually more like one sixth in terms of population so yeah yeah. actually no it's nowhere near one sixth it's like one tenth i'm being honest here like no one lives in this state and it's massive like my state is almost half the size of probably the midwest i don't know how big american sections are it's, it's, very pretty, big. it's pretty big so it's pretty big <laughs> yeah and no yeah. one lives here <laughs> yes much like our portions our sections are quite large uh cameron thank you <laughs> one day i'll find out when i attempt to walk across them as no, i'm not going to do it physically but as norman Reedus, i will attempt to walk across <laughs> <laughs> yes, you will. You will. You will save America from your the comfort of Australia. Be the bridge. It's just how it should be. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Should we do an episode on that when it comes out? Just the monster that is the whatever the plot of that will end up being. We're talking about Death Stranding, incidentally. Yeah. That's that's the thing currently. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, 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 <laughs> we'll see. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call it right now. Lindsay Wagner behind it all. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh Mads is actually a good guy. Lindsay Wagner's behind it. Troy Baker is he's just he just lost his job and you know it was the apocalypse. It was a hard time. What else are you gonna do? <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyway, yeah. What are we on like, to today? <laughs> take us, take us home, day. <laughs> I can't. We've gone too far. Um, so we're going to be looking at cryptids uh, later in the episode. Uh, and mm-hmm. first, however, we'll meander. Meander is not even a word. We'll meander uh, <laughs> back over to Japan uh, for some yokai, the yokai of the week. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> <laughs> three different versions of the our theme song yeah um, so i we are on jk jk but we're just going k because mm. the, the articles in j in. lead to nowhere nowhere pleasant <laughs> so we'll go with k mm. 
All right. So, Yokai of the Week, you all know the drill. Let's get straight into it. Dave, would you do us the kindness of please rolling them? We had a lot of numbers, so we had to roll multiple dice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Third 35. <laughs> okay. 55. Combo breaker. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. No. Uh, <laughs> Don't get me started because I'm kind of super happy about saying some right now. And the fact that they just made him the movie version. Oh, yeah. They're, are, they're using Kari Hiroyuki Takagawa. Anyway. Yeah. Not anyway, um, that, that that's a different thing. It's yes. the uh, the Kuda Gitsune. I'm Kuda not sure Gitsune. I'm like the flow on that, right? Yeah, yeah. That uh, yes. Okay. Cool. So the Kuda Gitsune or Kanko, literally pipe fox, <laughs> is a type of spirit <laughs> pipe fox. Great, wonderful. Is a type of spirit possession in Japanese legends. Starting in Nagano Prefecture, it's told about in the Chubu region and also in parts of Tokai region, southern Kanto. Tohoku, and so on. There are no legends in Kanto besides the Chiba prefectures and Kanagawa prefecture, and it's said to be because Kanto is the domain of the Osaki. Just a second, let's double check what that is. <laughs> it's uh, it's another it's another kind of kitsune, I think. <laughs> um, there are various legends about how kuda kitsune are small are small enough to fit into a bamboo pipe, or about as big as a matchbox, and would multiply until there were seventy five of them, and so. So, gotta hmm. catch them all. Yeah, gotta catch them all. Uh, <laughs> uh, another name for them is Izuna, meaning least weasel, and psychics <laughs> least weasel, and psychics in Niigata, the Chubu region and the Kanta region, and Izuna Tsukai, Izuna users in Shinshu, have these and use them to gain supernatural powers and make divinations. It's believed that Izuna Sukai make use of Izuna for beneficial religious uses, such as foretelling prophecies, and at the same time also for evil purposes, such as to fulfill requests to make the Izuna go and possess and give illness to someone the requester hates. Uh, they're very versatile little fox spirits. Also, does foretelling prophecies mean that you just tell somebody that a prophecy is coming <laughs> yeah i guess <laughs> you will we don't have actually on monday yes. yep <laughs> we don't actually have the prophecy guys but we're gonna get one we, but no, we know we, we know when the up. prophecy will will occur <laughs> yes the um you, you shake the little matchstick box and then the foxes come out and spell the character for prophecy oh there's gonna be one <laughs> I, I want to imagine that they just kind of <laughs> spill out in the shape of kanji. Yeah, that's, mm. what, I, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> this is all, all very academic. Um, I'll read the next little part. Uh, sometimes mm -hmm. it is told to be a type of kitsunetsuki, so fox user. And, mm. and depending on the region, um, families that have kuda kitsune sometimes would be called the kuda haver, the proprietor, the user. Uh, and be detested, okay. In <laughs> many, it's like, oh, wouldn't that be your friend? Like they got the little tiny foxes. 
Um, yeah, fuck those guys. They got the little tiny foxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have any. Just, they're just jealous. Um, in many legends, uh, Kudegitsune do not possess an individual, but instead a family. And it is thought that one particular trait that they have is that unlike the Osaki that would do things on its own, even if its master did not will it, the Kudegitsune to be used by its master at, uh, and does as its master will, wills it to do. It's an odd sentence. So it needs it's to be beating. controlled. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it is said that the Kudigitsune, following the master's will, would procure goods from other families. Ah, uh, so a family that keeps and raises <laughs> a Kudigitsune would gradually grow wealthy, and everyone else is mad because it, they stole their stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. It is also said that although the family does grow wealthy at first, the Kudigitsune would multiply until there were 75 of them, and they would eventually eat away at the family's wealth, making them decline <laughs> because it is expensive <laughs> to pay for 75 little baby fox things. Yeah, um, it's a lot of mouths <laughs> to feed. Uh, mm-hmm. The Kanko mm-hmm. is a creature supposedly employed by Japanese. Okay, um, yeah, that's just, telling, that's just telling the books. Uh, yeah, and then I'll read the next little bit and yeah. turn over the other article I found to Leonard afterwards. According to the Zen An Zuihitsu, the Kanko is a fox the size of a weasel or a rat with vertical eyes and thin hair. The magic user summons the Kanko to appear inside a bamboo pipe he is holding, whereupon the fox will answer all the questions it is asked. I like the image of this already. Mm. Um, the origin of this <laughs> yeah. practice is traced back to a Yamabushi, so a mountain monk, who obtained this art while undergoing strict asceticism on Mount Kinpu. These Kanko are said to be numerous in the northern mountain regions. We'll just say that. Um, researcher uh, Inoue Enryo, in his Yokai Gaku Kogi, quotes a newspaper article regarding the Kanko, which is, it is a tiny mouse-sized creature, which hails from the Shinano province. It is named for its tail, which is a, it's like a pipe cut in half. Okay. Hmm. It can be tamed and kept in a pocket or sleeve. (laughs) It's a Pokemon. (laughs) Sorry, I got excited there. (laughs) And uses its supernatural power to seek out assorted information, which it then whispers to its master. (laughs) So this is basically the, um, ferrets from Beastmaster. Yeah. Mm. Uh, a person who keeps it is thus <laughs> able to see into both the past and the future, whereas a drawing by Matsura Seizan in the early mid-19th century depicts a kudikitsune that greatly resembles the masked palm civet. Is there a picture? There yes. is. Oh, there is. cute. <coughs> little guy. And it sits in your sleeve. Yeah. I like this one already. <laughs> this is, um, yeah, it's just a little secrets Pokemon. Yes. So good. <laughs> Leonard, in I have put the notes in the Discord. If you could read those. Ah. Uh, yes. Ooh, okay. That's it's a, it's a little small. Sorry. There we go. There's there's that there's that original. Uh, uh Kitsune. Uh, translation, Fox. Alternate names. <laughs> Unique names exist in many individual instances. <laughs> that's that's not alternate names. <laughs> found <laughs> habitat. Habitat found throughout Japan. Diet. Omnivorous. Uh, fond of fried tofu. Sure. Same. I mean, who isn't? Same. Yeah. Right. <laughs> same, same, fam. 
Uh, appearance. Foxes or kitsune are found all across Japan. They are identical to wild foxes found elsewhere in the world, apart from their incredible magic powers. <laughs> their, <laughs> their cute faces and small size make them particularly loved by most people. <laughs> Behavior. Mm-hmm. There are two major variations of kitsune. Holy foxes are servants of... Uh, 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 Shinto deity Inare and Inare shrines are decorated with statues and images of these foxes. Legend tells of celestial foxes providing wisdom or service uh, to good and pious humans. These holy foxes act as messengers of the gods and mediums between the celestial and human worlds. They often protect humans or places, provide good luck, and ward evil spirits away. More common are the wild foxes which delight in mischief, (laughs) pranks, or evil. There are stories in which wild, please hold for a page change, (laughs) uh, foxes trick or even possess humans and and cause them to behave strangely. Despite this wicked nature, even wild foxes keep their promises. Wait, what? <laughs> Remember friendships and repay any favors done to them. Okay, so they're kind of like yeah. new, neutral, chaotic neutral. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> interactions. Most tales of kitsune are, are about wild foxes punishing wicked priests, greedy merchants, and boastful drunkards. They vex their char- targets by creating phantom sounds and sights, uh, stealing from them or otherwise humiliating them publicly. <laughs> That's mm. <laughs> I mean, uh... <laughs> that is a that is a very very specific uh, mm. uh, uh, revenge motive. I I kind of can get behind. Uh, mm. <laughs> Certain mental disorders have been attributed to possession by Kitsune known as uh, Kitsune Tsuki. Yep, exactly. Uh, (laughs) Mysterious illusion, uh, mysterious illusionary fires, once again, illusionary fire, make a return to monster, dear monster. Um, (laughs) And strange lights in the sky are said to be caused by their magic and are known as uh, Kitsune B or, oh, Foxfire. Yeah, I I know that. I watched Inuyasha. Uh, other forms. <laughs> uh, kitsune are, incre- are, are extremely intelligent and uh, powerful shapeshifters. They frequently harass humans by transforming into giants or other fearsome monsters. Sometimes they do this just for uh, just for pranks, and sometimes for more nefarious purposes. They are skilled enough to even transform into exact likenesses of individual people. People <laughs> often appearing in the guise of beautiful human women in order to trick young men or more than on more. Oh. Oh. There's it's a that in the room, apparently. Yes. <laughs> uh, on more than one occasion, this has resulted in page change. <laughs> uh 
marriage with unwitting humans. Some kitsune mm-hmm. even spend most of their lives in human form, adopting human names and customs, taking human jobs, and even raising families. When startled or drunk or careless, a patch of their magical <laughs> disguise can fail. The Kitsune's true nature may be revealed by a tail, a swatch of fur, fangs, or some other vulpine features. Uh, mm, you want me to skip the next part? Okay. Sorry, audience. You don't get to hear about <laughs> nine-tailed foxes today because Dave says so. Uh, when we cover Naruto in 53 <laughs> years time didn't, 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 didn't we just didn't we just kind of covered naruto with that last True. paragraph that's fair <laughs> <laughs> yeah now, now all i can think of is someone having the little tiny foxes in their pockets but they have like oh. this, the 75 of them so it's like are you hiding something <laughs> no <laughs> their sleeves I'm are just like bulging with boxes in a trench coat <laughs> <laughs> they got startled and spilled um. out god that's terrifying. i'm 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 just gonna throw this out there uh, uh developers mm. of a plague's tale if you want to uh convert oh that, that 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 rat tech <laughs> into pipe fox tech uh you can take that idea and you don't owe us a thing just that would have oh. a cascade of tiny foxes that would make the game of- infinitely cuter yeah <laughs> it would but i think the modding community if anything we're just gonna have like infinite number of thomas the tank engines in a pile yeah <laughs> no you yeah. know it's gonna be that's, that's the, first, the first one. Oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Just, just his head. It's just Macho Man heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah! Oh, it's just like cool. all you hear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. Okay. That's yeah. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we don't want to be seriously scary on this show. No, no. There'll be enough of that later. Um. So, moving on to cryptids because that was the yokai of mm. the Kude Kitsune. Yeah. Uh, Cameron. <laughs> What did you pick for your cover? So we all picked a different or different cryptids um, <laughs> to to cover for this episode. Uh, Cameron, what was your choice? Mm. Uh, I went far from the shores of home because uh, to me, Australian yokai are obviously somewhat blasé and who would ever pick such a thing, Dave? Uh, <laughs> no, nah, it's good choice. Thank you. Um, I decided to pick something American- because uh, you guys have all the really cool stuff, and I picked the Jersey Devil. Ooh, so scary! <laughs> it's the the devil from J- Jersey. <laughs> that's, the <laughs> that, that, that's the that's the actual scary part. The New Jersey part. <laughs> oh my it's god! Just the Jersey situation, Shore, but just yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jersey Shore with Satan is one of the guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would be fantastic! Got a tan and a six pack. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that was a joke, New Jersey listener. I love you all. All <laughs> yeah. one yeah. Point one of you, one point three of you. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I, I picked the Jersey Devil, and in particular, I picked a 2012 horror film called The Barons, uh, which I watched earlier today, and I 
spoilers, quite enjoyed it. Uh, it's directed by Darren Lynn Bozeman. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Darren. If you're listening, correct me. Uh, who has... He's, he's directed a fair number of things. He, de- he directed Repo, a genetic opera, as well as Saws 2 through 4. So, <laughs> Saw yeah, the we're, musical. In the good, we're in the good stuff here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is, this is sort of his take, I suppose, on... Cat, what are you doing? No, don't... Oh my god, the cat's on the keyboard. Uh, Josh, no, she's got the... She's got the ginger in her. Okay. Oh, it's, a, it's a prophetic message. Yeah, apparently. Um, <laughs> sorry for that. I just saw her, like, eyeing up my hand. I'm like, please, you're old. You've got arthritis. Don't try and jump all the way to the top. You jumped all the way to the top of the desk. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, this is his take on The Jersey Devil. Uh, in what I thought was quite an effective little horror film. Uh, it's only 94 minutes, so it didn't drag on, which is nice. Uh, and yeah, it, it was actually quite good. Uh, you got your standard horror set up at the start of, you know, they're out a couple of people out hiking and they find a dead wounded animal and something's in the bushes watching them are ah, very scary. Uh, and then we get more into this sort of like little family drama, an entirely different group of people are going off camping. It's uh, a father, a stepmother, the 17 year old daughter and the six year old son. The father's name is Richard. Stepmother is Cynthia. The 17-year-old daughter is Sadie, and the young lad is Danny, little Danny boy. Uh, <laughs> and they are they are going to go out camping in the Pine Barrens in Jersey to scatter uh, Richard's father's ashes, to scatter Grandpa's ashes, because Grandpa always took Dad out there when Dad was little to go camping until he didn't, and no one discusses why that stopped happening. Uh, but it becomes apparent. <laughs> You know, think, things are a little tense with the family. Uh, the 17-year-old teenage daughter obviously doesn't want anything to do with this. Uh, young Danny is looking for the family dog, Oscar, who has apparently run off in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and Richard himself appears to be recovering from some kind of injury. He's injured his arm somehow. But none of that matters. We've got to go scatter Grandpa's ashes. We've got to go off into the parks, and uh, the, the national parks of the US, and off into the woods we go. And it it sort of becomes a pretty, I would say, a fairly typical horror movie from this point on. Uh, we get the usual stuff, you know, people get angry at each other for various things. There's lots of tension. There's dumb things happening, like I'm going to walk away from everyone else in the middle of the night alone because, yeah, I don't know. We're in the middle of the woods. I don't know why they do these things. Uh, <laughs> but essentially what it all boils up to, I don't want to go through the film step by step, uh, but this is a film with a twist and a twist. And the first twist is there is no monster. Like throughout the film, there's all these stories about the Jersey devil. They tell you the story of how, you know, 300 years ago, the, the local village, uh, whore, to put it lightly had 12 children and was such a drain on the community that the elders decreed if she had one more child, she'd be banished and she and all her children would have to go starve in the wilderness. And she got pregnant again and offered it up to the devil, and it was born a horrific mutant and killed some of the other children and killed its mother and flew off up through the chimney and became the Jersey Devil. Uh, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but it turns out when 
when Oscar the dog went missing two weeks ago, he went missing because he went rabid and bit Richard on the arm and Richard freaked out because this dog is around his children, killed the dog and buried it in the backyard. <laughs> um, but apparently doesn't know what rabies is. And so for the last two weeks has slowly been incubating that. And, you know, he, throughout the film, he has periods where he blacks out. He's confused about things. He's paranoid all the time. Uh, and yeah, he, he has rabies is that twist. There's not a monster. He's just freaking out over everything and having these aggressive spells that he can't remember, uh, and apparently gutting other hikers in the woods with a knife during this. Um, <laughs> but then the twist upon the twist happens and it turns out, yes, Richard has rabies, but yes, also the Jersey devil is real, <laughs> which was, which was great. Honestly, because it, it, it's fantastic. Like, it gets into this actually, I would say, quite sore scenario near the end of the last 20, 30 minutes where, you know, uh, Richard, they found out Richard's got rabies. They've tied him to a tree. Uh, and Cynthia's, you know, he's broken her leg and she's got the two kids to run off for help. And they run off, they encounter a, a mountain lion and they're like, oh, this is what's been killing all the deer. This is what killed the other hikers. My dad was sick, but, you know, he didn't kill anyone. Uh, the cougar got shot by uh, Chekhov's Chekhov's crazy guy, who was mentioned in the first twenty minutes of the film and didn't show up until the last fifteen minutes of the film. Uh, hey, hey! At least he showed up. <laughs> yep, exactly. He sh he shows up and gratuitously beheads a cougar with a rifle. Um, <laughs> That's impressive. I mean, yeah, I mean, literally, like it's a split second. It's obviously a cheap effects stunt shot, but we go from actual live mountain lion. Uh, that was a real animal on set because Cougar Ran Wrangler was one of the people listed in the uh, in the in the staff in the set in the set crew in the credits uh, to like a one frame still of CGI Cougar body with just like a red explosion <laughs> at once. It was kind of dumb, um, but kind of funny and schlocky. Uh, but then you know it turns out the Jersey Devil is here. And it has been stalking him ever since he was a kid. Part of his whole thing was like he was thinking he was having repressed memories coming back about why he stopped coming to the Pine Barrens with Grandpa. Uh, and it turns out it was because the Jersey Devil was stalking him when he was a kid. Um, and now it's back. And the film ends more or less with sort of, you know, they've gone missing as hikers. The local rangers have called in the police because they've managed to call for help which good on them horror movie people actually contacting help when they need it what is this cat get out from under please don't pull out my monitor cable please don't <laughs> she, i don't know what she's doing back there um but essentially we end with a standoff where uh richard appears to be pointing a rifle at his daughter sadie when in fact he's actually pointing it at the jersey devil right behind her but the local sheriff can't see the jersey devil and so shoots richard at the same time as he shoots at the devil uh and it ends up with richard dying on the ground holding hands with cynthia and there's a whole bunch of gunshots and everyone who's able-bodied is running away and screaming and then we hit the credits uh and that is nominally the end of the film however the version i watched had an additional it was i guess supposed to be a deleted scene but in this version it was stitched on as an after credit scene uh, where Sadie and Danny are essentially oink, cat, are essentially being interrogated by the police at the end of the film. Uh, and, you know, come on, tell us what really happened. 
we know your dad was sick. You can't just say a monster killed seven people in the woods. It clearly wasn't a monster because seven people have died. Uh, and, you know, Sadie insists, no, it was the devil. I told you, I told you, et cetera. And then we get the best part of this film. And I actually quite like this film overall, remember. But the best part of this film is um, Sadie driving out in the middle of winter into the Pine Barrens with one of the park rangers who saw what happened and survived. That's Ranger Bob very imaginatively named that's his official name um who is who is a uh, native american ranger so he actually knows the legends more well i guess is the implication more is the implication that he saw it saw it as well in that final confrontation for the credits and he's like are you sure you want to do this and she's like well yeah i gotta finish this that's why we came out here and they go off devil hunting which is an awesome end to that film. And I hope one day there is a sequel that is just like a big action film with this group of people hunting the Jersey devil. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a pretty fun movie overall. I quite liked it as like, I've not really watched a lot of horror movies that did the twist of there's not really a monster, but then back that up with the twist of there is actually also a monster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which was a lot of fun. Um and overall, I think their Jersey Devil looked quite good as well. Uh, so for the the education of people who might not have heard about the Jersey Devil, it is a very mishmashy looking monster. Uh, it, it is the head of a horse, giant, giant bat or dragon-like wings, the body of kind of a kangaroo with horse's legs and a forked tail. Uh, most drawings or illustrations of it look like absolute nonsense it's not terrifying it's just this big long unbalanced lanky things because it has it has horse legs but it walks bipedally and so it's all looks awful in most drawings this one actually looks like something uh something concrete something that could be real almost uh it looked very devilish as well and I'm pretty sure it was almost entirely practical effects as well. Like I think the wings were CG, but that was about it. They had two actors listed for the devil. Uh, and most of the <laughs> shots of it were, yeah, exactly. I, I suppose it was one guy in a suit with the other guy behind him flapping the wings, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, all, all the detail shots were close up on just the head, which was quite well puppeteered, I'm going to say, I guess. And it was pretty interesting because, you know, they... Obviously, the straight description is, you know, an actual horse's head, et cetera, et cetera. This was horse-shaped, but it had, like, shark teeth, like the small triangular teeth. It had this very gnarled, old-looking skin and ram's horns. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah, it was a really good design. It was always, when it was in shot, it was slightly in shadow or poking out from behind some trees. It was shot in ways that it didn't reveal any flaws in their uh, creature design or their CGI or anything. Please ignore the cat scratching in the background. Shut up. Stop making noise. Um, <laughs> uh, and I thought, yeah, it, it looked good. Uh, it made for a good twist on a twist in the movie. And I guess now we'll go into our... Yeah, into more about the Jersey Devil itself. Uh, true to the story in the film, it is uh, supposedly originating in uh, God, 1735. Uh, a woman named Mother Leeds uh, had 12 children and gave birth to a 13th child with, you know, horrific mutations. It killed the midwife or killed the mother, etc. Killed someone, flew off up the chimney, um, 
and you know headed out into the pine barrens and has lived there ever since for 400 odd years uh there are other versions of the tale where she was a witch and the oh god the cats cats got the zoomies um <laughs> fear for my feet safety oh god. can you calm down please let's go you don't like me talking about the jersey devil is that what it is? You know what? I've been staring at this image for like the last five minutes, and I'm I'm unhappy about you talking about the Jersey Devil. Really, it is the most cartoonishly ridiculous thing I've seen in a really long time. It is. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, let me see if I can find a photo of the one from the movie, uh, because it, like I said, actually does look quite good. Uh, but you know, in other versions of the tale, uh, you know, she was a witch and laid with the devil hence leading this horrific mutated child um ah here we go little friendly guy let me just save that and put that in the discord uh but also richard in the film uh describes this other tale where uh the child was born perfect oh nice yeah uh that's one of his other films i believe where the child was born perfect but she chose to give ah. it up <laughs> yeah there's the devil poking his head out from behind the trees um and she chose to gave give it up to the devil in exchange for her own soul being saved effectively and so drowned the infant in the river and then it, the infant was gone and the devil possessed the body and became the jersey devil uh all that kind of thing and yeah generally it's a it's a it's a big old cryptid that's well known for <laughs> running around jersey terrifying people Where's this? Uh, where's this reported encounters? Da, 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 da. Oh my God! There's so much text in this Wikipedia article. <laughs> I don't need to know about. I don't need to know about every single variation. I just wanted to talk about some of the cool things I read. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Ah, yes. So, uh, for example, uh, Commodore Stephen Decatur was visiting the Hanover Mill Works to inspect cannonballs that were being forged sighted the Jersey Devil flying around and fired a cannonball directly into it with no effect. Uh, <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, Joseph Bonaparte, who is the elder, I should say was the elder brother of Napoleon, was also, uh, he also claimed to see the Jersey Devil while hunting in Bordentown about 1820. Uh, during 1840, the devil was blamed for livestock, ki livestock killings. Uh, similar attacks were reported during 1841, accompanied by strange tracks and screams. Uh, let's see. Uh, in 1925, in Greenwich, a local farmer shot an unidentified animal as an attempt to steal his chickens. Uh, apparently, none of 100 people could identify it. Spooky. Uh, in 1937, an unknown animal with, re quote, with red eyes was seen by residents in Downington, Pennsylvania, uh, being compared to the Jer uh, Jersey Devil. Uh, 1951 people in gibbstown new jersey claim to have seen a monster matching the jersey devil it, it keeps popping up every 10 years or so um although in 1960 merchants from camden offered ten thousand dollars as a reward for the capture of it even offering to build a private zoo to house it uh which is pretty cool i guess oh that'd be a good that'd be a good attraction jersey get yourself get yourself a cryptid zoo <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and re realistically there's no set explanation for how the jersey devil came about it's probably just like an, a new england boogeyman effectively but you know uh 
you see scary stuff out in the woods sometimes and you don't blame people for thinking it's a horrific bat-winged kangaroo horse dragon thing uh that emits a high-pitched blood-curdling scream uh (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah no like um like i said it's a good film and it's a very cool cryptid like look up more about it uh please someone draw better images of it uh yes please (laughs) i i implore you uh but yeah that, that's more or less me i'm trying to, i think some of the versions where it only has one leg i think this guy <laughs> oh man oh that's cool that's kind of like a zhang shi style edition like, then they like to that's hop interesting hop on its one yeah power, one powerful leg <laughs> yes yes menacing <laughs> Fans out there, if you've got any connections to Junji Ito, just have Junji Ito rewind the Jersey Devil. That is my solution for all things that need to be redesigned to be more horrific, is just have Junji Ito redesign That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. God, I love how every shot of it I can find from the movie is just it being a creepy little stalker peeking out from behind one tree. Hey guys, <laughs> it's like the same tree. What, you, doing? Like, what yeah. you doing? What you up to, buddy? Yeah, can I come join in? Out in the, <laughs> out, out in the pine barrens, it's real quiet out here. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's not as barren as you think. Lots of pines out here. <laughs> But yeah, no, it, it's a really it's really well designed in the movie actually. It's almost a shame it only shows up for like 5 minutes. <laughs> I, I think that makes it more effective. They like they, yes. the movie really sells the idea that no there's no real monster. This is just this one guy going crazy and nearly killing his whole family. Right. And then like at the end it's like no no no, he was he was right about one thing in his rabies induced fever dream. Um <laughs> Yes, the movie decides to decides to pull a why not both. Volcano left us. <laughs> it would it would been greater if they gave the Jersey Devil his haircut. <laughs> yeah, it just has the guy's hair. Mm, <laughs> I mean, mm. it's pretty close to people haircut. Yeah, that's true. Could almost give him like a good comb over. <laughs> I just put some gel in there. Mm, mm. Oh man, all these all these other Jersey Devil sightings images are making me sad because they all look awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a what a dumb cryptid! Everyone, uh, work hard. <laughs> just up your, up your better game. Ar- better artists. <laughs> yeah. We we need more right, sightings uh, of this thing. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, I found like a little leprechaun version where instead of having an animal head, he's got a little suit. <laughs> well, let me let me just like a mascot version. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> I guess it's a more traditional devil, at least. <laughs> I I guess, I guess that I do like the um try to describe it's almost like a barlow's version on the mm. um the other ones where it's more yeah like yeah some of it's actually quite good 
There's yeah. like bird bird wings just, instead yeah. of I mean, bat wings. I mean, it, it, it's significantly better than the picture that's on the Wikipedia oh, page. So yeah. uh, I, I approve. I also really mm-hmm. like that it's since it's cut off, it just says the Jersey Dev. So now yeah. my mind's just like video game industry. <laughs> it's just oh, like it's a developer. Uh, yep. This this Mr. EA New Jersey department. <laughs> it's just this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Alrighty. Part one of the Jersey Devil. Yeah, exactly. So uh in the spirit of keeping this show going and under like four hours, uh Dave, what did you get up to with your one? I traveled the other direction and went to Australia. <laughs> oh, yeah, we switched places. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and um, I took a look at two cryptids, actually. The Bunyip and the Yowie. Yep. Both excellent um, choices. They're, they're something. Um, <laughs> so I, I picked up a book entitled... Thing I did not pull up immediately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Beasts of the Bush by... Uh, um patrick j gallagher it's actually a uh it's a collection of newspaper clip article clippings um from the ranging from the 1840s to the 1880s so they're uh, mm. primary sources um quite a bit older but i think that makes them more interesting because the, the the way they're written, unfortunately, they're also incredibly racist. So I had to like yeah, s- skirt around that bit. Um, Australia at any time uh, before 1975 was extremely bad, and now it's just only kind of bad. So yeah, so I had to take these with yeah. a grain of salt as far as how they were wording everything. But um, <laughs> the information in general was um, was really good. They're all first-hand accounts um or i guess taken secondhand because they're being reported uh mm-hmm. of sightings of the yowie or the mm-hmm. bunyips and um what, it, what i do like about these is because it's it's going from the regional reports so you're getting different um aboriginal tribe accounts so the the names of the um cryptids will differ depending on the tribe that's kind of talking about them uh, or the sort of transliteration i guess of the tribal name being mm. rendered into english um, yeah just like the cat cries um <laughs> <laughs> so we have the the yaoi is also the yahoo or the devil devil um mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as, aside from other there's a few other names in there but I don't know which article they're in. Uh, the on the other hand, the the Bunyip gets like way more names. Um, mm. And I had one of those pulled up, but where did it go? Yeah, somewhere. Um, it is the well. I'm probably going to butcher these. Um, the Kind Prati, the Wati Watis, mm-hmm. um, Bunyip, mm-hmm. and among others. I picked the creatively titled Bunyip the Movie from 2015. <laughs> um, oh, boy. 
<laughs> there was there was an earlier, well, several earlier Bunyip movies, and I couldn't get a hold of those um, just mm. because they're out of print or not available streaming uh, or utterly inappropriate because one of the Bunyip movies was just about beach bunnies i don't i don't know mm, yeah <laughs> the, the picture i was like but what does that have to do with bunyips i have no idea i'm um, like ah, oh, i know this song exploitation film yeah that's that's <laughs> what it was uh but the bunny the movie that i did get a hold of is a mockumentary actually about uh oh, two nice. or a a researcher on a government grant um mm. going to look for the bunyip out in out in the wild uh and he's accompanied by a bunyip enthusiast um so it's dr <laughs> Jick, nick jensen and Lindsay farland um the bunyip enthusiast is probably takes kind of center stage um in the in the film as he's the most on camera of the two um hmm. this is a it's, it's well, it's, it's it's not found footage because it's a documentary in documentary format. But they're the mm. the cameraman that's following them um, has ostensibly been assigned to the um, research team by the government. So there's some contention as to whether his motives are um, on the up and up or if he's just mm. along for the ride um, as a regular yeah. cameraman. Um, that being the case, there's a lot of uh, talk between the doctor, uh, Doctor Nick and um, Lindsay, uh, re- regarding like what they should do because the cameraman keeps wandering off and just mm. leaving them with the camera on a tripod. <laughs> so uh, it makes it it's a little weird. He's very responsible. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, considering he ends up having a camera of his like a side, I don't know if it's phone or just a small camera. But we, we the audience get to see what the cameraman's up to, and he's just drinking and carousing around with mm. the local ladies at the bar and whatnot. Um, but they're 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 traversing around um, different ponds and forested areas. Uh, the the bunyip itself is um, purportedly amphibious, so it's mm-hmm. mostly seen in the water. Uh, seldom seen on dry land the the newspaper yeah. articles i found all or i guess the, the movie is faithful to um all the sort of accounts in these um articles uh one of them i'll pull up uh this gives a, a description of the bunyip um because the movie gives a very different <laughs> um <laughs> description of the bunyip so the bunyip then is represented as uniting the characteristics of a bird and an alligator it has a head resembling an emu, e- emu, whatever the bird yeah, is, emu, um, emu, with a long bill at the extremity of which is a transverse projection on each side with serrated edges like the bone of the stingray. So it's got a bladed <laughs> wow. skull bill. Thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Its body and legs partake of the nature of the alligator. The hind legs are remarkably thick and strong, and their forelegs are much longer, but, of st- but still of great strength. The extremities are furnished with long claws, um, but the Aborigines say its usual method of killing its prey is by hugging it to death. <laughs> hmm. So mean, it's kind yeah. of like a, a gator death roll. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> when in the water, it swims like a frog. When on short, walks on its hind legs with its head erect, in which position it measures 12 to 13 feet in height. So it's bipedal on the... Mm. If it's on land. Um, we get different... Uh, the articles themselves measure or not measure. They're um, they're giving different accounts of height, so it could be in relation yeah. to uh, if it's a younger bunyip or an older one. <laughs> the the general accounts uh, all sort of agree that it's the size of a um, a bullock, uh, and then hmm. it can range from the size of a calf to to a full grown um, cow. Uh, its breast is said to be covered with different colored feathers, um, but no one's been close enough to understand if those come from if there are the feathers are coming from scales or or if it's hair instead of feathers. Uh, hmm. It's described as laying eggs double the size of the emu, um, pale blue, uh, but the eggs are no good for eating. Um, <laughs> and. Of the articles, most of them have uh, sort of re- re- reporting fragments. Like, no one's found an intact body. Um, everything is mm-hmm. a skull or generally parts of a skull that have been reconstructed to yeah. get a better example of it. But usually they're missing um, the mandible or, or, like, the lower mandible or, or some other part uh, um, of I think of more interest, uh, a few of the articles are done by um, anthropologists at the time, and one of them, or one of whom has, uh, he had had uh, full skulls, like um, horse, uh, baby horse mm-hmm. um, skulls, and he compared that to the, the skull that was being presented as a bunyip skull, and he says they're uh, mm-hmm. A lot, they're very similar. However, the one that they've had pieced together, he's um, saying that the 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 ocular orbits on it are too close, and it would make this cyclopean, like just one mm-hmm. big eye. And because of that, he's thinking that the skull that that people are presenting as a bunyip skull is in fact um, like a, a mutation of a, a horse instead. So people are mm. potentially citing not a new monster but something or not you know not a new cryptid but something mm. Mm. that uh, is just a um, an oddity of of an existing animal uh that that being said uh, a lot of the articles are also keen to point out that um we have such thing as platypi and other <laughs> kind of chimeric yeah. Uh, yeah. things so the <laughs> the traits that the bunyip is being granted in these sightings are are taken a little more seriously, I think, than otherwise they would be or could mm. be, given the, given the right. nature of it. Um, that will, I guess, that will just I'll just zip back on over to the movie <laughs> because uh, <laughs> what they end up presenting the bunyip as is a. Um, and I guess this part confused me because I watched the movie first and then read the articles afterwards. But mm. uh, it it's um if you if anyone's seen the there's a skit by the group the Mighty Boosh entitled uh, Old mm-hmm. Greg, and that 
is <laughs> reminiscent of what they've created for the bunyip in this um, <laughs> uh, because what they've done is uh, dressed a, um, a man up in a it's almost like a ghillie suit kind of so it's a lot of fluffy feathery stringy costume bits um and a like a long prehensile tail and then put um swimming flippers on his hands <laughs> and then gave him a mouse a mouse nose because i think that's probably all they had um, to, <laughs> to, to costume him with uh and the bunyip in the film speaks but they they just like <laughs> heavily modulated the person's voice mm. so it's nice. it's like Hello, you two guys. I'm a bunyip. It's like that. G'day, I'm the bunyip. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> and, uh, well, when oh, it's um, a spoiler, it turns out that that's just the cameraman dressed up as a bunyip. But um, <laughs> for the, the the last half of the, the film, the, uh, the doctor, both the doctor and um, the bunyip enthusiast are treating that as a bunyip they've captured and then want to integrate it into human society so they take him to the city and carouse around and the bunyip tries to pick up ladies so he's just basically just <laughs> being himself uh acting like a bunyip um <laughs> the 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 lore within the film is that the bunyip enthusiast um mr lindsay farland uh, he's um, of Aboriginal descent. I think his ancestry mm -hmm. or his family um, is Aboriginal. And he, as a child, um, went out to a, a lake and was swimming and uh, get, got caught in a, maybe it's not a lake. Maybe it's a, they're at a beach. So they, it was a, the, yeah. ocean, the ocean. And um, he gets caught in a current and then thought he was drowning and then w wakes up on the sand and then uh, encounters a bunyip that he thinks saved him from the uh, mm -hmm. from dying. And so the whole rest of his life, he's devoted toward trying to find that one particular bunyip or a bunyip and thank it for saving him um, from drowning. And he, well, but both he and the doctor kind of take the time mm. when they're exploring um to to look for specific tracks and um sort of detailed traits of the bunyip that all they all pretty much line up with um how they're presented in 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 these articles so that part aside from the actual costume bunyip guy uh is very in line with um any of the uh the actual reports they they talk about it um kind of liking to hide in the mud and that's why you can't find it because mm. it, um, it swims very fast uh so you'll see maybe just it's it's head and then a bit of its tail and then it's gone uh, and that's all these reports um kind of follow that thing where people never it, it's rare to see it out of the water it's generally you're just sort of catching a glimpse like when you see a um a crocodile or a gator if they're in the water you're just kind of catching a bit of their uh eyes and then at the top of their uh, their head and then just have mm. to guess at what it looks like um based <laughs> on that 
And it decidedly does not look like a cameraman dressed as old Greg. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and if we go based on the lore in the film, um, Bunyips will fight ghosts because <laughs> that's a thing that happens. It fights a ghost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, unsuccessfully, but it, it, it battles a ghost. Um, <laughs> the, the, the movie just goes off the rails uh, toward the end. Um, and I, th- one of my favorite things, t- tangentially, because it's not actually related to mm. the bunyip in the film, is that the entire time they're they're presenting this as a, a valid, um, <clears throat> like, a, a excursion um, out into the wilderness yeah. to do proper research, and they're saying, "Oh yeah, we've placed all these um, these cameras and these motion trackers and these things so we can." Um, track down the bunyip that we're looking for the the entire time they do not have any real equipment with them like there's nothing <laughs> in their van that looks like it's research equipment <laughs> they have the camera that the cameraman has and that's kind of mm-hmm. it maybe a notepad <laughs> uh so so the whole time it's like well, where are the cameras where's the where's the other footage that you guys are supposed to have but um that's just a, <laughs> a point of contention on the thing that's a mockumentary not actually a documentary um mm. Because as it turns out, the uh, they they made or they they had the cameraman dressed that way on purpose to invalidate um, the research they were doing. Uh, because the doctor, I think he's getting pressured by the government or something's weird, and he wants to make sure that no one takes this seriously. Um, he's just like discrediting himself. I don't know why <laughs> they, they didn't give a very good motivation for that, but it, uh, the, the movie kind of just wraps up going like, yeah, there could be bunyips, but we're not actually looking into it like seriously other than they were driving out in the middle of nowhere, as far as I can tell. So it seems like a giant waste of funds. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know how he got, it's a, it was a government grant and not one through the, um, the university, but yeah, it was uh, an interesting film, I guess. Um, it had some really like when the when they when they get the bunyip and they they capture it and they try to take it into the city. Uh, it it's decidedly like they wanted to make it more um, psychedelic, I think, than they were able to do mm-hmm. on their budget. So you get crazy music the entire time, but the actual <laughs> the actual visuals don't change although i think that they wanted to try to that's why there's a ghost there's a ghost that shows up um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right wonderful the, the ghost and uh the the bunyip is fond of hugging people not to kill them just to hug them probably tries to hug, hug, hug and try to hug some ladies um yeah just gotta hug. uh you just gotta hug he's gotta do um he likes to play tennis they, they play tennis so <laughs> basically the movie had nothing to do with actual bunyip other than when they're uh, they do have interviews with um cryptozoologists um uh it, like the first half of the movie is trying to be serious so they do interviews with people and um they they show uh, one guy in a i think it's like a little music like a um the roadside museum like it's just a mm. i don't know what you call it a little curiosity house or something oh like um, a tourist trappy yeah 
Yeah, but I think it is trying to be more um, on the up and up. But uh, they do have a representation of a skull uh, that was clearly fake. <laughs> but it, it looked like exactly like the skulls that these articles are talking about. So it had the serrated sides of it. And it's kind of a cross between a horse and a, an alligator head. Um, but they they took the time to at least acknowledge those those parts of the the Bunyip mythos. So that was that was pleasing. Um, if only the movie didn't derail itself um, in the last half. Mm-hmm. I could recommend it. I I <laughs> I cannot recommend this otherwise. Um, <laughs> not really. No. Uh, that's that's the Bunyip. So the other film I watched was probably lesser. There's a smaller budget <laughs> for this other one. Um, this this is entitled "There's Something in the Pilaga," and it's a 2014 film uh, um, centering on the Yaoi, or in this one, it gives you the an alternate name of the Jingra, which no one says in the film. No one says Yaoi. Um, there's a road sign with Yaoi on it when they <laughs> drive into the um, Pilaga National Park. Um, but the characters like don't mention it really. It's like oh, kind of a one-off as they drive by. Mm. Uh, this one is a, or really, it's kind of the same idea. It's two two guys taking a road trip out into the Pilago. Um, we have our main main character. He's a truck driver, Jay, and uh, Dylan is his buddy that randomly has a camera. Oh, I think Dylan is a film student, so. He's just documenting their trip for something for school, I think. It didn't didn't really explain why they were filming it. Or if it did, I wasn't paying attention because the movie was weird. Um, <laughs> so they go out into the, the Pilaga. Uh, Jay is uh, wanting to meet up with his um, buddy, what? Hermy, who's like a hermit guy that lives out in the, the wilderness. By himself in a terribly rundown shack thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 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 pretty ridiculous. <laughs> they end up. Um, it's almost like a bender. It's like a weekend, and they they. Oh, it's set during New Year's. I think that's why that they were running around. They were just trying to have fun before the year <laughs> ended. So they they swing by a bar um, and pick up yeah. two two yeah. ladies, and then drive out into the Pilago with these two ladies just to have some fun some good old fun i guess yeah um new years yes (laughs) yeah it um the movie definitely like it's i think it's rated r for a reason um the, the bar scenes are pretty crazy but they they head out into the pilaga and encounter something because the the movie does not show uh the yaoi at all except for like some kind of glowing eyes in the in the darkness um they spend like the last chunk of the film is uh because it's all it's all in like a little hand camera so it's Mm. in pitch dark except for the flashlight on the camera so you really can't see anything past like a foot um, and the the cameraman, um, ostensibly, he's running for his life because they're being chased by the yaoi in the, in the, yeah. in the wilderness. Yeah. So he 
keeps the camera focused on the ground. So I guess he doesn't trip and die. Um, <laughs> so all you're looking at is like <laughs> branches and grass um, for like 10 minutes of the movie as he's running. Um, they do take the time to have him like almost keel over because he's out of shape. So he's, Mm. he's not just running and you're getting like this athletic guy it's, it's like the opposite of that he's stopping every <laughs> few seconds and, and people keep running off and they can't keep up with each other um because they're running for their lives as far as the yaoi itself is concerned however they they use um uh it, it lines up again with uh the depictions in these articles the mm. There's one or more um, yaoi in the film that uh, they're in the stories or the, the newspaper articles. They're the sightings put them anywhere from three to nine feet tall. That's a fairly large range of height. Um, they're bipedal, um, covered in fur, um, have the the face of an ape. Uh, that is, can be like the flesh might be red. Uh, they mm. sort of hoot and holler and give these terrible whistles. Um, and they're prone to attack people that come too close to their territory. They do not leave uh, the brush. They just kind of stay out in the, the wilderness, um, content to keep their own company. Um, they're confused with gorillas. Um, in most of the newspaper articles, they're all entitled either um, the wild men in the bush or gorilla in whatever the mm. area was and generally everyone like uh, the opposite of the the bunyip is never like threatening people other than i guess hugging people to death but that's not really mentioned <laughs> um the right. yaoi however um almost all of the encounters are um dangerous like people are clearly afraid of whatever this is, and I guess if it's seven to nine feet tall, then <laughs> yeah, that's justified yeah. Uh, fear. It's fair. Um, <laughs> in the film, the we're given like maybe two different sizes. So some of the depictions, if it's small, and then others are where it's towering far above um, the the people. Again, we're just seeing the eyes of it, kind of. But uh, what they did do, which was I thought was very effective, was they gave it the weird um uh whistle uh, and i think some of the articles say that it uh, makes a sound similar to the emu um i don't know if it's a mating call but some sort of distress call uh and it it's definitely off-putting when it happens in the film because the the little whistle noise it makes makes it sound a lot younger and smaller than it ends up being so while they're in the dark and it, i guess could be um arguably scary to hear this whistle it's more of a uh a young sounding thing where it, I, I didn't think that that was too creepy, but then you see it and it's like murdering people. And you're like, yeah, cause I guess it's like a disarming <laughs> call that you would mm. not, not mistake for something else. You definitely like, it's a very mm. specific noise that um, would be scary if you were to know that, yeah, the thing making it is huge and likes to murder people. Um, <laughs> it has a, uh, also, a, I guess a penchant for keeping because um, it's it's killing people like to eat them because it, it, the one of the the cameraman himself, of course, uh, runs across it's like it's not even a layer; it's just a, the area where it lives. Um, and there's 
piles of like bloody bones and someone's head is on like a pike or i guess a tree branch uh so it's it's not playing around it <laughs> it's ripping people apart and using their remains as trophies or warnings i'm not sure mm-hmm. um but uh it it turns out that the the little weekend jaunt that uh jay was planning um was also sort of unbeknownst to his buddy the cameraman uh he jay has been trying to hunt down and track um the yaoi in in the in the in the pillaga and he keeps running off with his little dog to to go do something and leaving like the two girls and the cameraman in the truck so because the audience is stuck tethered <laughs> to the camera, we're like not able to see what he's doing. Other than he keeps just kind of running back and checking on them and telling him, "Oh, wait here," you know. But uh, mm. it's it's interestingly paced. Like I I enjoyed this movie more than um, the Bunyip, uh, even though this is specifically found footage. Um, the the nobody aside from jay like makes it out of this um in one piece and uh we get um i think maybe i was a little bit more interested in it because it gives a very specific picture of this <laughs> this area of australia <laughs> and uh mm. i guess it's kind of less than flattering but i can't tell um how sort of true of a picture this mm. is um because one yeah. is a, a film about the yaoi um yeah but also because everyone's like pretty much unlikable like, <laughs> well, like, I mean... like, like you like you can understand <laughs> what everyone's motivations sort of are but the 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 people that are being shown aren't nice people i guess right it's it's mm. it, it's this is going to be similar to um uh deliverance maybe like, like okay. and they and they even like make jokes about that too because the when they're out in the pillaga they're running into some one guy on his farm and they're like oh he's gonna go he's, he's running off he's got a gun it's like oh no he's just gonna go get a banjo you know they're just making crass jokes about right. um, the guys mm-hmm. that live out in the middle of nowhere and have uh, terrible houses um yeah but yeah, I, I wish but, that this had shown more of the Yowie, mm. but I think because they didn't, it made it more effective. Uh, and that they included the strange calls that it makes. Um, and all the all these news articles are definitely, they're referencing those those terrible whistling sounds. Um, mm. So using that, I would say that this is fairly representational of uh, an encounter with the Yowie, uh, as much as you're going to get in something that's resembling real life um Mm. i'd recommend it on that note just to like get an example of of sort of it felt like fringe of society Mm -hmm. whereas Mm. the the other films clearly shows people they're in a a major city and that differed quite a bit from the, the depiction of uh lifestyles out in uh wherever they were at in this i don't know where the Mm. the national park is but um that (laughs) area with this it um this reminded me of uh 
from Dust Till Dawn. Like just okay. just the area, okay. yeah. the, the area and the people they're dealing with are like not savory mm-hmm. folks. Yeah. But they they know that and they're they're just like kind of playing it up. I don't know. I mean, it made it made it for a little bit more interesting view, and I think that that's what they were going yeah. for. Is like none of the characters are inherently likable, but you get what I mean. You're not; they're not pretending to be that way, right? Yeah, like yeah. It's a, it's a more of a what's on the surface is kind of what that's all you get, um, and because mm-hmm. of that, it made it difficult to figure out. Like you're not really rooting for them, but you also don't want them to just be murdered by the Yaoi yeah yeah so it, it's i don't know it's a it's like a, it's a mixed bag but i think that this was uh arguably a better film than bunyip the movie even though <laughs> they but I mean, they, they both stay faithful to the the lore i guess that's being presented um through for you know these first-hand accounts the um mm. uh the producer of the film i believe uh wrote a book also entitled There's Something in the Pilaga based on either his account or accounts of Yowie in the Pilaga. Uh, I tried to find that yeah. book, but it's not available outside of Australia. So um, <laughs> that's fair. That was, uh, uh, so I couldn't get a hold of that, mm, unfortunately, because I was yeah, inter- interested yeah. in seeing how they had, if there are, since this is an adaptation off mm. of a, um, a novel, I wanted to see that when the producer of the film is directly involved or as the author of the novel it's always yeah good yeah. to have yeah um Pilliga is about 400 k's northwest of sydney uh so it's not in the middle of nowhere but it's getting close uh. yeah and there's like a lot of yeah. there's a lot of cultural references that i can understand just because of the, the film that makes clear what they are but um mm. there's a they go to these baths and it was okay. Um, I forgot what they're called because the the the, the characters in the movie kept calling them ball baths, but that's not what they were. They were called some other oh, kind no. of bath. <laughs> and it sounds like some kind of whack East Coast thing that had happened. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it was very specific because it was like a campground uh, mm. bath thing, but it looked more like something that you would use on a farm. <laughs> I mean, they might have just been throwing themselves in like a sheep bath or something. It was pr- sheep dipping. Well, it was pretty big, <laughs> and there seemed to be tourists stop because it was like a campground. So there seemed mm. to be other tourists stopping to go hang out at whatever those baths were. Um, but the, the film spent uh, like five minutes, five six minutes, wow. specifically uh. at those baths. <laughs> so it had to be some kind of cultural touchstone. I was like, I don't get what it mm. is but it was a popular resting spot because there's nothing else I out guess. there yeah. <laughs> there's nothing yeah. else to do there's the <laughs> there's those baths and then the bar that um and i say bar but it was they, they called it a bar mm. and it's more like a hotel thing because it's a bar and then there's like a motel eight looking area yeah that yeah. was super super yeah. sketchy super sketchy yeah uh, it's australia or everything yeah sketchy. <laughs> who knows but uh yeah i would the say the reason i don't leave yeah <laughs> i'd say I, I could recommend this one um on its mm. sort of found footage um notes uh 
again, I wish it had showed more, but I think that would have hurt the film based on their budget. Yeah. So it's probably yeah. best that you just got some eyes and some spooky whistles. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the Yowie, not people friendly. Um, it will murder you. <clears throat> and according to, I guess, all the articles, that is uh, not far from the truth of this being an actual <laughs> thing. Yeah, um, that is the two things that I've discovered from Australia. Fair enough. Leonard, it is your turn. Yes, I watched the, uh, what is it, 2002 uh, mm-hmm. cl- 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 classic question mark uh, mm-hmm. the Mothman prophecies <laughs> uh, starring uh, 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 known block of wood Richard Gere um, and <laughs> and 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 then actors uh, who have to then act around Richard Gere. Um, I'm going to start uh, start start with uh, the actual plot of the movie before getting into specifics. Um, let's see. Uh, Richard Gere plays a um, Washington Post columnist uh, named John Klein, who uh, uh, is married. Uh, he and his wife go to look at a a house which they buy after getting frisky in a closet, as you do um, during this time period, <laughs> of which I'm completely unsure of because it's never really nailed down in the movie. Um, uh, on their way, on their way uh, back to their original home, uh, Mary uh, something swoops in front of their car. Uh, Mary swerves to uh, avoid hitting it, um, cracks her head on the driver's side window, um, and is knocked unconscious. When she wakes up, uh, she asks uh, her husband, John, uh, if he saw the thing, which is the uh, Mothman. Uh, The audience does get to see it. It's... uh, kind of a weird blackish flyingish winged figure with bright red eyes um it's discovered that mary has a brain tumor unrelated to the accident um mm. uh that kills her uh and in her personal effects uh he uh john's informed by uh uh one of the nurses that she she must have known because she was drawing angels and as he begins to flip through a notebook, they uh, there are pictures that she has drawn that uh, vaguely resemble angels. And then as he goes farther and farther, get darker, and uh, it um, is clearly the Mothman. Um, and then cut to two years later, <laughs> just time <laughs> skip. Um, he's he's doing good at the post i suppose but he's real still real sad about mary understandably uh his co-workers mm-hmm. are trying to hook him up he's like no no i've got like an interview to do with the governor i'm just gonna like and i don't want to be home i don't want to meet anybody i'm just gonna like take a trip maybe head up early um and uh there's a driving montage and then his car breaks down. All uh, electrics all go out. No, not turning over. Uh, his cell phone doesn't work. 
Uh, his watch has stopped uh, ticking, which really is, that's not the suspicious thing that you're going to worry about. Anyway, gets out of his car, uh, makes his way to a house, knocks out the door, and is immediately greeted by a man with a shotgun who says, I thought you'd be here. <laughs> Um, um, and then is held hostage in the man's shower as his wife watches and calls the sh uh, local sheriff. Uh, and the man, I believe his name is Gordon, um, tells the sheriff uh, that this is the third night in a row that he has shown up at his house, uh, that John has showed up at his house and knocked on his door asking to use the phone for help. Um, John, obviously... Uh, has uh, is confused, says he's never been there. And um, from there, become a uh, comes in a host of bizarre paranormal sightings as uh, John and uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember the officer's name. <laughs> ah, Connie Mills. Uh, so John, Connie, and Gordon all begin experiencing, and all of, oh, it should be noted that uh, John uh, somehow traveled 400 miles in an hour and a half without realizing it because he, <laughs> he finds himself in Point Pleasant, Virginia when he was driving i forget to uh where he was driving but he is way off course and somehow traveled that in an impossible amount of time um so Jesus. yeah it kicks off this really weird mystery there are prophecies gordon tells like gordon finds john later on and tells him that he he woke up went into his bathroom looked in the mirror but it wasn't his face and then a voice started coming from the sink telling him that 99 would die uh for an hour um uh and yeah it's 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 wild i i'm going to i'm going to make the I'm gonna make the outrageous claim that I probably watched the better best movie out of the four uh, today. Um, I um, so I've never seen the Mothman prophecies. I uh, I I did not know that it was based on a book. Uh, I don't know anything about the Mothman. And as I was watching this movie, I had um, like the early parts of it um with with john's wife and and um the the brain tumor uh which is like mm -hmm. like almost a one in a million kind of like brain tumor uh but wasn't it like the accident didn't cause it but it had been there for a while like the stuff with with john and his wife um feels like um um What's his, what's the protagonist from Silent Hill to James James James? It feels yeah. like it feels like um, the precursor to two when Mary was still alive, where John's wife is apologizing for ruining everything. She actually says, "I just want you to be happy." Um, so that was like ringing bells for me. What um, 
early on. Um, then when it gets to uh, Point Pleasant, the uh, it feels a lot like Lovecraft because it it feels a lot like From Beyond because people are like, oh yeah, I saw the moth, I saw this thing. It was like eight feet tall and it had bright red eyes and it was just staring at me. And then it flew off. And then John looks at the tree and there are just scorch marks on the tree by where this <laughs> thing was standing. There, uh, the, he looks, he investigates his car and there are scorch marks on the grill of his car where it flew by. Gordon starts losing it real bad um, and uh, is getting these messages. And he, he says, he says, I, I met the voice, I met, the, I met the voice from the sink. Uh, he tells John mm -hmm. at one point and tells him about how he was traveling by an old uh, cement plant um, and had an attack where it was light and pain and, and being unable to breathe. And then a humanoid, an indistinct humanoid figure walks out of the abandoned factory and gives him an another message and then tells him that his name is Indrid Cole. Um, mm. And uh, ultimately, uh, all the prophecies come true. Uh, John uh, starts to uh, um, unravel, much like Gordon, uh, who is unfortunately eventually found dead uh, outside of his house uh, from exposure. He just walked out of his house and sat in front of the tree and died during the night because he sat out in, on like a winter's night for eight hours. Um, and John receives a message about uh, 37. Uh, he almost ruins his entire career warning the governor not to visit a chemical plant. Uh, um, uh, and, and then goes home because uh, Indrid Cole tells him that his wife will call him on a very specific day at a very specific time. Um, and throughout, uh, throughout the movie, John's been growing closer to, to, um, to, uh, Sheriff Mills, uh, as they investigate this, uh, he, he, he runs back home and there's a really fantastic kind of almost once again, uh, gives a really, uh, gave me a really big silent, like, like feeling wise Silent Hill 2 where Connie mm. calls him and they have a talk about listen whatever this thing is it's not your wife wherever your wife is in Indrid Cold is nowhere near her it's it's Christmas Eve and you shouldn't be alone right now and and so John has this moment of desperately wanting to pick up the phone when it rings at the preordained time and then refuses and heads back to uh, Point Pleasant only for the film to culminate with a traffic jam over a bridge um, and then the bridge collapsing and killing uh, 36 people. Uh, yeah, John manages to save Connie, who had had a dream earlier about drowning, surrounded by pre presents, uh, and 
um as she's uh drowning and letting herself go she hears the voice uh wake up number 37 and connie is the only survivor of the accident and would have been the 37th victim uh victim of of the bridge collapse and then the movie ends and it says the mothman was never seen in point pleasant ever again Dun, um, dun, dun. except as little plush toys yeah <laughs> um, and cookies and, and pizza um, and everything i man i i really liked everything about this movie except for one thing richard gear <laughs> <laughs> um like this uh, uh i was i rem- because i remember when this movie came out and it kind of got like poo-pooed but like the critics and I, yeah, I mean, it made a it made a profit, but that doesn't mean much. But it, it, I I just remembered hearing that like, yo, yeah, the Ma- Mothman prophecies, it's not good. It's it's kind of bad. <laughs> and I'm watching it, and I'm like, man, um, Richard Gere's not emoting at all. And like the <laughs> there's there's a like the beginning of this movie. I'd say like the beginning. 25 minutes is super richard gear heavy uh mm. until he until he's put into the shower jail by gordon um it's mostly richard gear and i'm just like wow this isn't great and then other actors showed up to act and emote and i said oh <laughs> this is a movie and everybody's acting except for richard gear and and then i was sad because i said I wish Richard Gere wasn't in this movie because I think people would like it more if he wasn't. Um, but it's I I actually like like removing removing that whole thing. I think this movie's actually kind of really fantastic. Um, um, like I said, there's a, there's so there's a uh, a lot of detail p- paid to like imagery to shots a lot of the shots are super voyeuristic like wide shots that give the impression that the characters are being watched um Mm. it is almost like the alleyway shot from the first from from silent hill where it's clearly um uh harry being watched (laughs) by something above as he walks through that's a lot of how this movie is shot the 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 mothman communicates like electronically it can produce sounds that sound like a human voice but they're clearly elect like they're electric it communicates through like telephones um it's really super fascinating and then i looked at up the mothman and i guess the mothman's just kind of like an alien outer dimensional thing and mm-hmm. i i'm confused by it so I guess I'll 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 just read part of the wiki. Um let's see. History on November 12th, 1966, five men who were five men who were digging a grave at a cemetery uh near Clin ooh Clindian, West Virginia, claimed to see a man-like figure fly low from the trees over their heads. Uh, this is often identified as the first sighting of what became known as the Mothman. 
Hmm. Oh, okay. So uh, let's see. The uh, the the bridge collapse was an actual event, um, mm. uh, it, which uh, apparently took place on December fifteenth, nineteen sixty seven, or sixty seven. Uh, the Silver Bridge, and uh, in in reality, forty six people died. Uh, but yes, that uh, uh, sparked the connection between. The Mothman sightings and the bridge collapse. Um, the Mothman prophecies is also named, at, uh, named, but um, uh, an adaptation of a book of the same name by John Kill. Uh, let's see, hmm. uh, yes, an American journalist and in- UFOologist. Uh, best known as the author of the Mothman prophecies, but um, I, I, I'm probably going. I I almost don't want to look into into Mothman stuff because I feel like it could it can't be nearly as interesting as the way it's portrayed in the mm. film. Um. He, um, John, uh, eventually meets with like a guy, like one of those noted, like, oh, I did investigated the the Mothman once upon a time. I don't do that anymore, and I'm not gonna talk to anybody about it. Oh, you tracked me down to my home. I guess I'll talk to you about it. Come with me down this alley. <laughs> um, who who basically is like, listen, this thing is. It, it's it's far it's far beyond us um <laughs> I, we don't know why it communicates with us we don't know why it gives us these prophecies um there's actually a really fantastically effective scene where uh Gord, gordon big air quotes calls john and tells him that he's got indrid cold in his house and that he wants to speak with him and there's a really fantastic sequence where uh, John keeps asking Indrid questions, and he keeps ask, answering them. He he he's mm. altering things in his hotel room and asking Indrid what he's doing. Um, and Indrid's at, at answering, and he's like, "Okay, so you can read your mind." And then he does something where he flips to. A random page in a book and says what's the like the third line and it, he reads it out verbatim even though john hasn't looked at the book <laughs> so he just mm. it's it's just like an omnipotent presence um that is vaguely sinister uh it's 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 mm. it's a really interesting watch i i actually dug it a lot I wish somebody slightly more charismatic than Richard Gere was the lead in this movie because <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. I, I was watching it and I'm just like, I bet if somebody else was leading this, this movie would probably be better regarded because mm. he really, he really kind of taints it a lot. Like I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a Richard Gearologist, um, <laughs> but um I do not know the his filmography that well, 
but like I was watching it and I was like, I don't get it. I don't get the appeal, but I absolutely recommend this movie. It's, it's, it's really effective in what it, it does. And it's, it's not gory. It's not jump scary. It's just Mm. tense and uneasy and unnatural um, with, with a lot of how it, how it works it's also very dreamlike there's a lot of just um slow um like transition fades in it a lot of match cuts it's it's a really interesting flick that i i definitely recommend the um the soundtrack to this is also really good i used to um write uh, along with this and then uh I think I probably had it in my car to drive around, even though that's <laughs> it's more <laughs> ethereal than <coughs> driving music. But that's uh, that was probably me circa early 2000s, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, this I, when this came out, um, uh, I was working at a video store, so I watched this and we were like recommending this to everybody. Um, it it's just like that, it's that specific slice of like thing that i want to watch um, yeah regardless of <laughs> richard gear or not um the, the, <laughs> the movie itself is really well done and i wanted i think as i saw this i wanted to find things that are similar to it but it's very difficult because it's very specific yeah. on what it's doing and the closest mm-hmm. you're going to get is things like jacob's ladder um yeah uh, uh mm-hmm. session nine the stuff that we've kind of mentioned um previously on the show things that had in fact inspired silent hill and um, right this this could be no less uh, of a of something in that nature mm-hmm. yeah definitely that i i i i walked away from i i'd been meaning i'd actually been meaning to watch this movie for years um mm-hmm. and so i was actually glad that cryptids came up because i was like <laughs> i don't want to watch a sasquatch movie i <laughs> I refuse <laughs> to watch a Sasquatch movie for this episode. That's uh, and and so when I entered in list of cryptids movies in in Google and five thousand Sasquatch movies assaulted me, I was like, "Oh, I'm so angry." And then I was talking to a coworker yesterday, and I was like, "Hey, you know what? I should just watch the Mothman prophecies." And he's like, "That's a good fi- film." And I'm like, "Great." Mm. that's what i'll do <laughs> and 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 i really really actually don't regret it at all think it's really fantastic there are a lot of great performances in it there's a lot of really fascinating stuff to the point that i want to i want to re-watch it because there are things there's stuff going on in the background foreground just things that you don't notice that are mm. is pretty damn good in my opinion <laughs> yeah they they really pulled off the um, injured cold uh voice and everything else r- very well and it gives that sort of like evp feeling or listening to um the the tapes in session nine mm-hmm. uh, and i mm-hmm. i, I, I want to say it's in the movie where the um he, he's 
someone's analyzing the recordings of uh, the injured cold voice, and that's I think that the point where they said it wasn't um, no human can make that voice because it's a compilation yeah. of other electronical mm-hmm. things. Uh, yeah, just that that little points like that are um, really good. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really effective, and I actually kind of uh, because it's this community and everybody oh, nearly everyone's experiencing something and it's it's always something different like they've got the teenagers who are who are like doing the heavy petting in the back of their car and there's a light and his eyes are just like seared and bleeding from it and he's like yeah this one just never healed um you've got the the fire chief who has records of uh, like tapes of calls that he got that just noise. And he's like, yeah, I changed my number. And before I could give it, give it to anyone, the call started again, just like weird things like that. There's a lady that's like, yeah, I was just getting ready for bed, looked out my window, saw two red eyes and then it took off. And it was like a, foot shorter than that branch so that makes it like what eight feet it's a lot of that stuff um and they uh like i said you uh they they use um the mothman is never seen in full really um Mm. it's 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 either silhouetted as indrid cold um, which is really a really fantastic reveal shot. There's also something super off about like the the beginning of it because it's a it's a very out of focus shot and it's clearly a human walking out of a building. But I don't know what they did to the head because the <laughs> head and the head and neck are too like the neck is too long and the head is way too small to be on a human but it is mm. like your like expected human proportions but just with a way too long neck and small head and i'm like ooh that's unsettling and i don't like there's a lot of i i don't like that in this movie and it's not from being explicit it's just based on what's happening yeah yeah That's the Mothman prophecies. I wish Richard Gere wasn't in it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I keep. I'm like, oh man, so remake this. I could kind of. And then I'm like, oh no, it'd probably be some Blumhouse like jump scare nightmare. I'm like, okay, I guess. I guess I, I can live with a not classic as long as it's not ruined. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a um, there's a series of documentaries. Um, they're all directed by Seth Breedlove, um, and they're on various cryptids. Um, oh yeah, I, I put one link in, and maybe we'll take a look at those mm-hmm. later on because they they're um, full documentaries with interviews and everything on them. So that it's might really it, shed a little more just, light than us just reading a Wikipedia yeah <laughs> article. Um, I I will I will say this. Um, it's really funny. But uh, at, while the credits were rolling on Mothman, um, the Flatwoods monster was 
listed as coming up next on my Amazon account. I was like, no, thank you. And um, only because it was like 3, 12 in the morning. So. <laughs> uh, that's fair. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the Mothman prophecy. That gets a big thumbs up from me. It's um, if you like if you like Lovecraft and so, like really, I I was pleasantly surprised by like, oh my god, it's just Lovecraft and Silent Hill and everything that I love in a movie, <laughs> and then Richard Gere ruining it. <laughs> but no, it's 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 a good watch. That's Mothman prophecies. And yeah. I think that's the Ooh. four cryptids that we've covered in one yeah. episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know we have we have a few uh, friends and former guests of the show that are um, likewise interested in a few of these cryptids specifically. So we'll uh, reach mm-hmm. out to them and uh, see if we can get them on um, as returning. And a few of them might be new guests. Uh, to, to to do more specific uh, research and coverage of these cryptids in general. This was a very brief overview, and um, there's far more than enough information on each of these individually to um, to cover at at, mm. uh, at length in the future. Um, yeah, I think that that will wrap us up for this episode. Uh, Leonard, where can folks find you on the interwebs? Pe- oh, people can find me on uh twitter.com at dr faust is dead um people yeah you, you okay there didn't didn't, yeah. didn't kill you okay no, uh, no okay you, <laughs> i just got uh, a little cough <laughs> and uh they can also find to also uh, by searching for <clears throat> dr faust is dead uh, i am so close to finishing this video and i really hope i'm like really i'm super excited for people to see it because i think it's Mm. really good i think it's probably the best thing that i've ever made uh to date um so i really want to get that finished uh uh video essay on why you should play the within two which i will i will state i definitely want uh you dave and you cameron to play because i want an epic because I want an episode on that on that game because I <laughs> I think it's I think it's real neat and and super keen and I definitely would love to see a sequel because I think that game's awesome. But that's me, uh, Cameron. Where can people find you on the internet's webs? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at night underscore twitten. Come join me yelling about Norman Reedus, fetus <laughs> deliverer. Uh, <laughs> God, no. Uh, there, there's lots of things going on in my life, but I can trust Kojima to keep it weird, and that's all I really need right now. Um, <laughs> and Dave, where can we find you? And indeed, this very podcast. You can find me on Twitter at sentient underscore plus. The Monster Deer Monster also has a Twitter that I never remember, but we are on monsterdearmonster.com, so that's way easier to... Uh, to find and all of our relevant social media are also linked through the website um and then as a side note for a future episode because i don't think it'll be a time soon maybe toward the end of the summer uh i did 
get back from watching the new Godzilla King of Monsters movie last night, and I'm mm. over the moon. It was the best thing ever. I'm so excited oh, yeah. and hyped <laughs> to talk about that, and also watch it like five more times um, before it makes it to a video. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's us wrapping up for this episode. We will catch you all next time, so in two weeks. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, uh, maybe a little longer. Um, I got a vacation we'll coming see. up, so we'll see how that turns out. We'll see out. how it works out. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll catch y'all next time. Um, hope you enjoy listening to this cryptid-centric episode, and we will return for more specific cryptid stuff uh, later on. Bye-bye, y'all. Later. Ciao.